Sherry's like, I told you to do the dishes. No, it wasn't like that. I walked into a light, so Carmen's asking me what happened to my head. So I, wa I like, there was a low, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Hey, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. So we got a real ghost story for you this morning. It's Halloween. We celebrate Jesus. We celebrate about the real power, the real presence, the real atmosphere. Who needs spookorama when you have Jesus-arama? That's all I got to say. Uh, we want to welcome everybody watching us by live stream. We're very honored to have you. Very blessed. If you would do us a favor, share the stream. If you have not subscribed on YouTube, please do that as well. We would love to uh, have you connected to us, and we'd love for you to share the message with other people who don't know the Lord or need some encouragement. So we're talking about keys to life in the Spirit. So this is sort of the final message in this series. And there's a lot of ways I could go, but I wanted to give you some keys to living in the Spirit. Anybody want them? Yes? yes? It's all about the Spirit of God. It's all about Him. So uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's talking to this church. He says, concerning the spiritual brothers and sisters, he uses the word pneumatica, so concerning spiritual, concerning the atmosphere and all things pertaining to the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. So we're not to be ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorant just means you don't know. So concerning the Spirit and all things pertaining to the Holy Spirit, we are not to be ignorant. We're not to be unknowing. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were carried away with dumb idols and they led you. So what's the contrast here? He said, before you were in Christ, you were led by everything you worshipped. Right? You worshipped money, money led you. You worshipped success, success led you. You worshipped relationships, success, relationships led you. You were led by everything that you worshipped. He says, so the contrast is, is that we're not to be led by things that our sort of former life wants. We're to be led by the Spirit. How many knows God's got a greater plan for your life than you do? He has a much better idea about you. He made you. He, he made you. He's got, you were made on purpose with a purpose. He has something for you. We're not to be ignorant concerning the Holy Spirit. The old you followed and worshipped. It's time to change. That's what he's telling them. He's trying to encourage them to transist. Because what happens as believers, a lot of times we encounter this new world and we linger in the after. We linger sort of in the margins between the new world in Christ and the old world of our old lives. We kind of stay on the margins and we sort of combine everything. You know, we live our lives and then all of a sudden when there's a crisis, we come over here, right? God doesn't want you like always in crisis mode and he doesn't want you living in the margins between two worlds. He wants you to live in and fully from his world. That's where victory is. And so the Holy Spirit is an endowment. He's given to you as a gift. He's endowed. It's a treasury, a dowry, right? Like when marriages happen, there was a dowry. The bride carried a dowry. Our Father gives us a dowry. He gives us that dowry that's in the, in the treasure of the Holy Spirit who comes bearing gifts. Might like gifts? Yeah? My, like, my, wife, my wife loves gifts. She just doesn't like surprises. She's, I, I have to tell her when I'm buying her. Drives me crazy. Because I don't want to know. Right? My daughter doesn't want to know. She's like, just surprise me, Dad. Surprise me. You know, Sherry's like, well, hold on a second. So, so Christmas is coming, and we need to discuss what you're buying me. What, what exactly are you buying me? And I'm like, it's a surprise. And she's like, 
(laughs) And I have learned over the years to simply come to an agreement with Sherry. And I always tell her, like, act surprised. Just just act surprised. Just just pretend like you didn't know this was coming. (laughs) The Holy Spirit comes bringing gifts. So they're gifts. They're not awards, ladies and gentlemen. They're given to you. Do you know why? Because your Father loves you. He's so happy you're born again. You get born again, right? Anybody have a baby? Usually what happens with babies, they give you shit. They shower you with gifts, right? We're born again. Jesus is so happy. He starts showering us with gifts. He wants us to have everything available to us. He wants us to have everything that's possible. These are gifts. They're not awards, and they're given because of love. They're given to empower us to live in this world from another world. What glory. He doesn't leave his orphans. That's what he says. I will not leave you orphans. I'm not going to cause you to become born again. I'm crucified. I'm resurrected. I ascend and I leave you alone. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to call you to something that's greater than your life and not empower you to achieve it. I'm going to give you the power to live in a world from another world. That's the contrast. But as Christians, we're so natural. It's like we live in the world and then we pretend that we're living from the spiritual world when we're really not. We're really not. The life of the believer is just as equal as train wrecks as the, as the life of the culture. Equal. And Jesus is always on a rescue mission most of the time in Christians' lives. Right? Amen. He's always on a rescue mission. He's always having to clean up our messes. He's, and, you know, and we're always struggling. We're still in diapers when we're supposed to be wearing armor. Right? We don't even have clothes on. It's like the kid that, get, you know, that's why I met this family in a parking lot and I was talking to him. And the kid didn't have any clothes. And I looked at him, I looked at the mom, and I said, did he blow through his clothes? And she said, he blew through his clothes. This is his third outfit today. So if you ever see a child that doesn't have clothes on, and they're only wearing a diaper, just know (laughs) that that kid has probably made so many messes during the day that he has nothing else left to wear, right? And that's the way Christians are most of the time. We're still at a diaper. We don't have any other clothes on beyond our diaper because we keep blowing it out every time we do it. And the Lord just keeps changing our diapers, And what he wants us to do is mature and grow, and he wants us in armor. He wants us in robes of victory. He wants us to win. And the only way we win is with the Holy Spirit. We cannot win in and of ourselves. And the devil knows it. We don't know it, but the devil knows it. He knows in the spirit there is absolute victory for the believer. But he knows in the flesh he can wreck you every single day. Yet we seem to think that we can live the Christian faith based upon doctrine, based upon all these ideologies, all these spiritual disciplines, spiritual discipline, spiritual discipline. I'm all in. I'm all in. I bless the spiritual disciplines. I'm a word man. But the word means nothing without power. It means nothing. It's like a toaster, right? That doesn't have, the cord isn't plugged into the wall. It's a very useful thing. It's a very useful tool. It's given to me to do something great with. But if I don't plug it into power, it's useless and it becomes an ornament. The Word of God is just an ornament within the church without power. And it ornaments us. And it gives us religion. And it gives us religious mindset. Because the letter kills, the Spirit gives life. It's the Spirit with the Word. The Word with the Spirit. You can't have either or. When you have the Spirit without the Word, it gets kind of a little bit loopy. Whoa, what's going on here, you know? When you have the Word without the Spirit, it gets really rigid. We start walking around and everybody's heresy hunters they're looking for anything that they can point at that doesn't line up exactly with the way the word is written religion right and then all of this like sort of extremeness the lord the lord is in both 
And when you put both of them together, it creates this manifestation of great liberty. But you have to understand and trust the Holy Spirit. You have to learn this. You can't win in of yourself. Say, I can't win. <laughs> say it again. I cannot win without the Holy Spirit. But say this. In the Spirit, I cannot be defeated. What? You can't lose. Even if you lose, you win. Do you know that? How many of you have lost something only to have the Lord bring it back? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, you lost everything. You're thinking, this is it. Go get Aunt Betty. Go get Aunt, you know, Martha. You know, go get Juanita. Let's all look at this thing. This is a terrible loss. We're never getting it back. <laughs> the Lord's like, who told you that? Who told you that? It's something he's been really dealing with me. I restore lost heritages. I bring it back. Joel 2. I'll restore to you the wasted years. Anybody got wasted years? <laughs> he's telling you he's going to give you back wasted years. What? He'll bring something into your life. He'll accelerate your life. He'll leap you forward. Wasted years will be restored. He said everything, the canker worm, the palmer worm. I don't even know what these things are. They sound crazy, right? What's a canker worm? I don't know. What's a palmer worm? I'm not too sure about that. I kind of get the canker worm thing, but maybe the palmer worm, what's that? All of the things that the consuming locusts have eaten, all of your harvest that has been consumed, I'll bring it back to you. That's what he says. This is our God. Put faith on it, Christian. You can't lose in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our endowment. He comes bearing gifts. Say this with me. The gifts, the gifts of, the Spirit of the Spirit are dormant, are dormant unless they're activated. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Carisomai, the potential. So when you get born again, I have the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. Carisomai. Carisomai must become charismata. Charismata is when the Spirit and the gifts are alive. Every Christian has, every Christian gets born again, sealed with the Spirit, you get the endowment of the Holy Spirit. But not every, Christ, not every Christian is manifesting the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? Right? Charisomai comes forth as charismata. And that is the gift, the power, the potential in activation. That's what it looks like. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? Just going to run through it and then I'm going to get into some keys. We talked about this the last few weeks. So we have gifts. They kind of fall in three categories, discernment, declarative, and dynamic, all to help you. The gifts of the Spirit are given to all for the profit of all. So they're not given to exalt you. They're not given to you to make your worldwide ministry. If you get a worldwide ministry, bless Jesus. But the gifts are given to benefit all. All of the gifts are given to all of the believers to benefit each other. They're ministry gifts one to the other because it's koinonia. This is the power of the church. The church is to be a spiritually powerful center. They know, we, they know you, the world will know that you're my disciples by the what? Come on, come on, come on. I know I got some Bible people here. The world will know that you're my disciples by the what? Come on. By the way you love each other. By the way you give Kool-Aid and cookies and share. No, that's not what he's saying. By the way you spiritually and powerfully minister to one another. Spiritual, powerful gifts within the body of Christ that are found nowhere else. Nowhere else. This is Jesus' design. I'm not saying this is what we're producing. We're not producing this. But this is the design and the intent of the architect himself. His intent is that we be spiritually endowed and we use these endowments to minister one to the other. Minister what? What do we minister? Well, we have access to ourselves too. It ministers to us, but it ministers through us. The spirit, the gifts are... Holy Spirit's not a it, he's a he. We have gifts of discernment, wisdom, knowledge, distinguishing of spirits. You need wisdom? Ask the Holy Spirit. 
You need to know what you don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit. You are endowed with gifts. You know why? You have not because you ask not. Or you're asking the wrong question for the wrong reason. That's why. So the issue is, what is the right question? And the issue is, what is the right reason? That's what, when we ask that when we need something from the Lord, we have not because we ask not. You need to know what you don't know. I was broke. I tell the story all the time. I was broke. I'm 20 years old. I come to Christ. Everything's shot out and broken. Nothing around me is whole in any sense of the word. I'm working a job that has potential, right? But I realize I'm pretty much capped at the wage that I am. I need money and I need it quick. Okay, so I'm, I'm working, and my background was building trades. I had just graduated from a, a trade school at that time. I just spent two years in a trade school. I'm coming down here, I'm 20 years old, but it's a different style of building than I was used to. I didn't, I didn't know how they, you know, they build things differently in Miami. I don't know if you're aware of that. Better in many ways, crazier in others, but nonetheless. Um, so I wasn't used to this building style, and I didn't know. But the only way that I was going to accelerate, the only way I was going to make more money was if I understood it, and I started asking the Holy Spirit. I was just naive. I didn't have any religious teaching that told me I couldn't do this, right? That's a problem with a lot of Christians. You start talking to them about the Holy Spirit, and you've got to unwind them from all of the religious teaching that they have in order to get them to a place of neutrality, in order to get them to a place to move into the kingdom because they're bound with church culture. True. They're bound with all these ideologies that they've been taught over the years, and they wonder why their life is neutral. They wonder why their life is neutered. They wonder why there's no power. They just wonder. And so in order to go to the kingdom, you have to unwind them from the church culture. You unwind them, you set them at zero, and then you can move them forward. That takes a little bit of time, but I didn't have that. So if you're a new believer, happy day. Good for you. You can be naive. I was naive. Oh, well, Holy Spirit's going to lead me into all truth. Right, Lord, I need to know what I don't know. I need insight into things I don't understand, great and mighty things that I know not of. And he began to show me. Within two years, I'm at the top of my field. I'm 22 years old, running an IBM. What? Construction. They're renovating an IBM. Big, huge commercial project. I just did a school, and I just did a Lord and Taylor when they were still around. So I just run those two jobs. I wasn't the foreman, but I was the lead guy. I was the guy they gave the drawings to. The phone book. Here, take this and get out in front of everybody. Cool stuff, right? And then, everybody, then the crews follow you. So I had to set everything up, and then the crew comes behind me and does all that stuff. So I was like the lead guy. 22 years old. I'm on IBM. I got a phone book. Jobs like this. Huh? How did I know that? How did I get to that place? Yes, I sat with other guys that were smarter than me and I listened to them, but that doesn't mean anything. The Holy Spirit accelerated the knowledge. He accelerated the retention of the knowledge. Some of you, you neglect wisdom that's available to you. You have access through the Holy Spirit to the mind of genius. He'll show you more than you know. You don't know anything. He, I lived it. I watched it. Then I got to this place, and he's like, hey, I got something else for you. I want you to go this way. I was like, what? You know? I, got, I maxed out. You know? I was hungry. I wanted it. He showed me, and he maxed me out. Yeah? They wouldn't make me foreman because I was really too young. I don't think a bunch of, you know, they'll, they'll, follow, the, they'll follow the layout guy. They're not going to, I'm going to stand there and give him orders. Hey, I'm 23 years old. I'm going to tell all you, you know, 35 and 40-year-old 40, 40 guys what to do. Trust me, I'm 23, I know. I'd have no respect. <laughs> they wouldn't respect me. would be like, dude, really? Come on, man. 
You know, we were shooting nails when you were playing with G.I. Joes. Really? You're going you're gonna to tell us what to do? Come on. Discernment gifts, wisdom, knowledge, distinguishing of spirits, discerning of atmospheres. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it's not right. Yeah? It seems right to us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever did something? You knew, like, you're like, you feel like the Lord is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, there's, some, there's just like even a, like a mild impression. Like, yeah, exactly. Kevin, that's not a really a good idea. Yeah, that's okay. I think it is. Everything around you is telling you to do it. But there's just the still small voice, that's the voice of the Lord, the still quiet voice that's saying, mm, don't do it, right? <laughs> I ate a chicken one time. I was buying it at a store that I won't mention, but one of those roasted chickens. This is crazy. And I remember when I was getting ready to buy it, it was the biggest chicken in the bin, right? And I felt the Lord telling me, no, 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 that one. And I was like, yeah, but this is the big one. You know, and it was just a little, the color was just a little off. It wasn't completely off. It wasn't like it was green, but it had a little tinge of yellow in it. And I got like food poisoning. I'm laying on the couch and my stomach, it looked like alien. My stomach was going. And Sherry's like, what's wrong with you? I go, I don't know. I was seeing colors. You know how you see colors? I was literally seeing like the Wonder Bread colors were like moving in front of me. And I look back and I was like, man, he told me not to do it. You know, and how many other times have I done that? And now I don't do anything. I don't do anything. I, just, I forget what I was telling my wife just this morning. And uh, some stuff going on, and we're making some different decisions, and I feel like, okay, well, then I'm going to do that. And Sherry's like, are you going to do that? I go, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask permission if I have permission to do that before I do it. She's like, wow, that's really good. I'm like, yes, I have learned. I have learned. So just because it seems right, I'm going to say, Lord, do I have permission to do that? Do I have permission to inquire of that? Do I have permission to go in that direction? Just because it seems right doesn't mean it is. And we have the gift of the distinguishing of spirits. Distinguishing not just of what's the Lord and what's not the Lord, but you have the ability to distinguish atmospheres. I have a worship friend. He, he's been offered great big things. But he's, and I asked him, I said, why won't you do it? And he goes, because I never sensed the anointing on it. He said, the anointing's not on it. He's like, I'm not doing it. He said, people put money on the table. They put deals. They put all this stuff. And he said, if the anointing's not on it, I don't take it. It's crazy. Yeah. So discernment, you have access to that. Holy Spirit, I, what, what is not right here? Holy Spirit, what's going on here? You know, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom. Holy Spirit, I need to know what I don't know. And I need to know it now. <laughs> I need to know. Declarative, prophetic, tongues, interpretation. So they're discerning gifts. They're also proclaiming gifts. Prophetic, tongues, interpretation, teaching, leadership, exhortation, all proclamation to proclaim the beauty and the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Then we have the, yes, yes. Then we have dynamic gifts, which are faith. I love these. These are awesome. Healing, miracles, compassion, generosity, servitude. These are dynamic, right? So we have proclaim, right? So we have this. We have discernment, so we can figure it out. We have uh, declarative, where we proclaim. And then we have dynamic, so we proclaim, and then the dynamic just creates this atmosphere. It creates an impact. Generosity creates an impact. Anybody know? So anybody ever serve you, and it really impacted you? You needed help, and somebody comes and serves you, and you're like, wow. You know, it creates impact. Faith creates impact. Healing creates impact. Miracles create impact. So they're given to us to impact our lives and the lives of those around you. Given to all for the profit of all. Spirit-powered actions, not human emotions. This is important, particularly when it comes to compassion. I was just sharing with, uh, so we have a ladies group here, and uh, they did an all-night 
prayer thing? What do they call it? Night watch? I, I know Amy was there. And uh, Zena, where is she? Is she here too? No? Anyway, there was a bunch of ladies that were there. They did an all-night prayer. Long story, ended up going, they wanted me to come to the beach and baptize them all and um, baptize them for transition, you know, stuff. So we went there and we did a baptism. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And um, I was just talking to them, you know, I was was giving a prophetic word, then we're going to go immerse them to a new place and where they're going. So it was kind of cool. And I was explaining to them that just because you have compassion doesn't mean you act on it. There's a difference between human compassion and spirit-led compassion. Jesus passed people by. I don't know if you've read your Bible. He walked right by him. There are needs everywhere. He went where the Lord led him. Just because you're experiencing, a lot of times what the enemy entraps people, compassion is an incredibly, compassion is a relational impactor. You impact the lives of people through compassion. It's very powerful. The enemy corrupts it, and he'll corrupt it by getting you to be led merely by human emotions. He'll put more needs around you than you can possibly meet. And then what happens is with you meeting these needs, it's just draining you and draining you and draining you and really keeping you from the place where the Lord would have you to make the most difference. So just because it's human compassion, it doesn't mean it's spiritual compassion. And you have to discern that. And I was telling them, these ladies, I'm like, look, if you're a high person with compassion, and I said, you start asking the Lord, I said, the first thing Jesus is going to teach you is how to say no. That's the first thing I said. So I guarantee you for probably the first, like, eight out of ten times you ask him, he's going to tell you no. Because no is the hardest thing for you to hear. He's going to tell you no. And then once he's got you to earn your no, and once he's got you to where you can understand that you, you, you can say no, you know, once he's got you to that place where you've developed sort of the balance or the strength to be able to say no, then he'll start leading you more fully problem that's what happens so compassion is a huge impactor in people's lives it's it's like anything the enemy always corrupts you at the point of your calling always wherever you're called or wherever your destiny lies and like compassion true compassion spirit-led compassion i'm not talking about united way compassion i'm not talking about red cross compassion the church can do something far greater than that we don't nearly need we merely don't need to imitate the united way we merely don't need to imitate the Red Cross. We need to go higher. Well, what's that look like? I don't know, right? I don't know. But, but God will show you. And people that lead out with compassion and have this just dynamic gift that's at the forefront of their lives, you have to learn that not all compassion is spiritual compassion. Yeah, it's true. Not every part of you that feels needs to be acted on. <laughs> Syrophoenician woman. Did Jesus immediately act on her? My daughter's a fever. My daughter needs help. Oh, please. Oh, Jesus, please help her. He looks at her and goes, don't take what is holy and give to dogs. Right? The, the bread is for the children. That doesn't seem very compassionate because not all compassion is spiritual compassion. He was getting her to demonstrate faith, and once she demonstrated faith, then he crossed the river with her. But if she wasn't going to demonstrate faith, Jesus wasn't given. He wasn't. No, he wasn't given. So just because it feels right to us doesn't mean it's right to God. What is esteemed of men is despised of God. What is despised of God is esteemed of men. Worldliness is not always godliness. You know, human, human reactions are not always spirit-led reactions. The, Bible, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It divides soul from what? Come on. Come on, Ricky. I look at Ricky every time. I know Ricky's a word guy. Ricky, you know. <laughs> soul from spirit exactly bone from marrow 
the Word of God, Jesus Himself, the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, who is the prophe, that brought forth the spoken Word of God, will discern from you what is of the Spirit and what is of the soul. Emotion. He'll split it. So you want to know what's, what's of the Spirit and what's of the soul? The Bible says that the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul from spirit, bone from marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Yeah? It discerns. So we need that. It's very important. It's very powerful. Because what happens, you, you, your compassion is being stolen from you. Stolen. You're worn out. You're exhausted. Right? Because compassion is being robbed from you because you're not able to understand the difference between human compassion and spirit-led compassion. Your compassion is a gift, and when you use it with the spirit, it goes like this. Kaboom! Which is the, which all the compassion people, that's what you want, right? The compassion person is looking for the kaboom, right? But you feel more like the, more than you feel the kaboom. Just make that change. I don't know who that's for. That's for somebody. So that's for somebody out there. And I know you guys are really, I commend you. I commend you. Compassion. It's insanely. It's right at the heart of God. Jesus understands it probably more than you do, but human emotions are corrupted. That's why we need to divide soul from spirit. <laughs> what's of God? What's not? All right? We're called to live in and from the immersive experience in the spirit. We're called to be immersed. Holy, say this with me. The Holy Spirit, as a born-again believer, is with me. He is in me, and his desire is to come upon me. Immersed. We're to live from this immersed place, immersed, immersed in the Holy Spirit. 30 times we're called to be filled and we're called to walk in the Spirit. 30 times in the scripture. I think he's trying to say something. <laughs> 30 times, be filled. 30 times, walk in the Spirit. 30 times, be filled. He's trying to get us to understand something, that this faith is lived in an immersed atmosphere. We have to live immersed. We have access to the gifts, and we have access to, the, to the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. These are all things that are given to us. Access to the gifts. So we have access to all of these gifts. We're called to be in this immersed atmosphere, which is what I'm going to talk about in a minute. But you also have access to fruit. Here's a big misnomer, right? But I'll get to that in a minute. The word fruit is harpezo, and it means profit from the vine. Isn't that cool, right? You have access to the profit from the vine, the benefit of the vine. Jesus said what? You are the vine, or I am the vine, you are the branches, right? I'll quote that verse in a minute. But we have access. It means, it doesn't mean fruit that's growing. It means fruit that's plucked. That changes the dynamic of it. We need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm all in. But what it's really saying is we need to access the fruit of the Spirit. Right? We need to draw from the vine and the benefit of the vine. What is that? The fruit of the Spirit is love. You have access to true love anytime you want. Spirit-empowered love. Draw from that fruit. You have access to joy, peace. Holy Spirit, I need, give me joy. Holy Spirit, anybody know this one? Lord, give me peace. <laughs> Serenity now in the name of Jesus. Right? We have that one. Patience is another one. You have access to it. Anybody pray for that? And it comes, right? You get patient. All of a sudden, you calm down. Holy Spirit, I need patience now. And you just feel this calm come upon you. Well, you're drawing fruit, right? So it's through us and unto us. So we have this kindness. <laughs> I'll tell you one. Anybody ministers here? 
Anybody, anybody here like to minister? You like to serve people like any kind of, any, any, in any way? So, you know, it's very difficult to serve people. Can I get a witness? Yes, very difficult. Sheep bite. People aren't always on friendly terms, right? So there are moments, full disclosure right here with Pastor Kevin. You're like, this pastor, we need to, uh, I just, you know. Sometimes I'm confronted with a situation and I don't always have kindness flowing through me, right? Come on, thank you, I got a witness. So I have to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to see her as you see her, and Lord, give me the kindness that you have for this person, he or she, whomever, right? And I have to ask it, because like, I'm always, you know, like, I have, to, I have to draw from that all the time, because you don't always have it. You don't have it in yourself, but the Spirit of God who's in you has it in spades, in spades, without limit, he's going to say it, without limit, he has it. You need love, you need agapeo, you need self-sacrificing love. Lord, show me how to love my life right now. Holy Spirit, I need all of these. I need patience, I need kindness, I need long-suffering, I need goodness, I need them all. I need them all. I need all the fruit of the Spirit to come now, right now, because I need this, right? <laughs> all the married people said, that's right, thank you so much. Uh, Self-control, against such there is no limit. So we have an ability to draw on fruit in partnership with the Holy Spirit, and there's no limit. Well, I've already asked Jesus for patience like five times today. I feel like I'm burdening him if I ask him again. There is no limit. Limitless amounts of fruit are available to you. Harpezo. The vine benefits you, right? The benefit of the vine through the Spirit. Spirit is like the sap moving through the vine. You're connected to the vine. You can draw from the fruit that comes through the vine that is Christ. If we live in the Spirit, it says also, it says, for you, all those who are in Christ have crucified their willful passions and desires. In other words, if you're in Christ, we're supposed to stop doing it on our own. So he says, it's one of the things he's saying. He's saying other things, but I'll just leave it at that. Those who are in Christ crucify their willfulness and the passions and desires associated with their willfulness. So it's saying, in Christ, you're to stop doing it your way, and you're supposed to start doing it his way. You're to stop trying to do it in your own strength, and you're supposed to start doing it in his strength. If we live in the Spirit, therefore, let us also walk in the Spirit. Exactly. There's one of the 30 right there. So we're supposed to live immersed in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. You can draw and profit from the vine. You can draw all of these things without limit. We're gro- we, we, so the grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody ever heard that? Huh? I was taught that. You need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Grow in patience, right? I find it a lot easier if I just access the patience that he's already provided for me. <laughs> it's a lot easier and it's a lot less self-condemning because I, I just need patience. I need patience. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Oh, man, I blew it again. And I blew it again. My, wife, my wife's amazed sometimes with me. She'll be like, wow, you were really patient there. I'm, I, I hate to say it wasn't me. It was Jesus, but it literally wasn't me. It was Jesus. <laughs> it's like, wow, that was really good, Kevin. That was really good. I because she knows I'm not always the most patient person in the world. Stretch your hands towards me and pray for me in Jesus' name. <laughs> John 15, live in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it lives in the vine. Living in the vine. This is the same thing. We don't abide. The word is living. All of our life is in him. All of our life is through him. All, that's what he's talking about. Your whole life is to flow as a current through and with him. In the spirit immersed in the spirit through christ jesus is the center of all things neither a branch cannot bear fruit on itself you, you good, good luck 
So here's the one for people saying, grow in the spirit. A branch can't bear fruit of itself. I can't bear fruit of myself. There's no way I have the ability to bear this fruit. I don't have it unless it lives in the vine. Neither can you unless you live in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who lives in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Happy day. Like, man, you really failed there. Well, without Jesus, I can't do anything. So give yourself a break. Power is given, but we must live immersed. Acts chapter 1. So I just want to show you what you have access to, and I want to give you some keys to what it looks like to be immersed. So therefore, when they had come together, this is a crazy story. So Jesus ascends. The disciples are sort of confused. The Lord has now met with them and has told them and given them further instructions. And he told them to go to Jerusalem. And he told them to wait in the city until they be endowed with what? Starts with a P, ends with an R. Power. Wait and be endowed with power. And so they came together and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I love it. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we have John 15, we have parakletos, he's with us. We have the Greek word en, here he uses the immersed word. So when this, this is a moment of transition where the Spirit will not just be with the believer, he will not just be in the believer, but the Spirit will have access to the immersion of the Holy Spirit. It's happening right here. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, immersed, epi. And, it, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these disciples, just like you and me, they're like, Lord, are you at this time you're going to restore Israel? You know, I want to get out of here. Are you at this time going to save me from my circumstances? Are you at this time going to get me out of my geography? Are you at this time going to get me out of this relationship? Are you at this time going to restore all things and take me out of this place? And Jesus is like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Eh? It's focus on why you're here and exercise the power that's been given to you. It's not for you to know. That's not consequential right now. It doesn't mean that the return of the Lord isn't substantial. It is. But the focus of the believer isn't upwards. The focus of the believer is outwards. Upwards in a sense of waiting for Jesus to come back. I know Christians that won't do anything. They're waiting for the rapture. I mean, seriously. They're waiting for the rapture. I know a whole group of Christians up in North Florida. They built an enclave, Right? In the 70s, they built it because they thought Jesus was coming back in the 70s. Here we are 50 years later. They're still living there. They literally, I'm not lying. You think I'm kidding. They have a rapture field. A rapture field. So that when Jesus comes, they all run to the rapture field. Right? I'm all in. I do rapture drills. You know, I do them. I got a cape. I got a towel. Right? I'm going to fly up with a towel. I told you that. Jesus comes to me like, dun, 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 dun. hey, what's up, you know? I expect to go up. I'm on my way if he comes in my lifetime. But the Lord is telling them, look, you're focused on, it makes us ineffective when that's all we focus on. We become ineffective. It's not for you to know what, when this is going to happen. Look, that's not right now. This is what's now. Find out what you're here for, why you're here for, and use the power that you have to influence where? In your city? in your region, in your nation. That's what he's saying. In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the eyes of the Lord is telling you, look, don't look here, look here. Look to the power that's been given to you. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my martyrs. That's literally the word. To witness for Christ is to die to yourself, Christian, in case you didn't know that. Like, oh, I'd love to tell him about Jesus, but I just couldn't. Yeah, you got to die to yourself. Greater love is no man than to lay his life down for his friends. 
You want revival in your family's life? It's going to cost you dignity. You're actually going to have to tell them. You're going to feel undignified. The world's going to know you're a Christian, right? Jesus loves undignified worship. He does. David jumped in his underwear, and Jesus said, that's my boy. True story. Undignified worship. We want it all dignified. We want everything decent and in order. And Jesus likes it a little wild. He does. He does. He likes it on the wild side. You don't ever see him operating in religious pretenses, ever. You don't ever see him operating in liturgy, ever. He engaged, but he engaged in a more of a, it's a, it was more of like a, a celebratory atmosphere. He didn't, he didn't follow. That's why the Pharisees hated him, because he didn't follow their rules. He didn't follow their rituals. He didn't dress like them and act like them. He did it differently. You want to jump in your underwear? It's fine. BVDs. Long shirts provided. Anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> they went out of here, and the Lord's like, don't worry, don't worry about that. The Spirit comes upon us. So this is, he's giving us access to an immersion. Doesn't immersion sound cool? Like, like you're living underwater, just like in the atmosphere of the Lord. That worship experiential moments that you can live from. Go to work like that. You know Ricky, somebody just stole the doors from the property. It's okay. The Lord will provide. Don't worry about it. What? <laughs> Next day, he's like, what? What happened here? Anyway, <laughs> this is crazy. This is interesting because this applies to our modern culture. I just want to point this out. There were 120 people in one room, and they waited for 10 days. 120 people in one room waiting there expectantly for 10 days. How many bathrooms did they have? That's a great question. Who cooked? Who cleaned? Another great question. What about their families and their jobs? None of that mattered to them. What mattered to them is that the Lord had made a promise, and they were going to do whatever it took to be a participant in that promise. What we want, we want an experience with the Holy Spirit. We want a little shiver. We want a little shikamal shy, right? We want to say, oh, I got it. Let's go home. Ten days. Are you kidding me? In one room with 120 people. Come on. What is that? Power comes from the immersion and vice versa. The power of God in your life comes through the immersion, and the immersion comes through the power. That's how it works. In the power comes the immersion. In the immersion comes the power. And there are keys. What are the keys? Well, we'll just look at one passage. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted, tested, tried, tribunal for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he was hungry. <laughs> and afterward, he ate. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. He hadn't eaten yet. And on goes the story. If you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, Jesus was tempted is a reclamation. He came as the last Adam. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Those are the three things he was tested with because those are the three things Adam failed at. And so Christ being the last Adam had to be tempted in all manner as we are, yet without sin. So here you have it. Direct test, right? Where Adam completely failed off the rip, Jesus wins and continued to win. And he says, yes, amen. 
So if you are the son of God. So what happens? Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit and went to Galilee. And the news of him spread out through all the regions. And he taught them and glorified. And he was glorified by God by all. There's not one recorded miracle in the life of Jesus until he comes out of the Spirit or out of the wilderness. Right? So he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He gets baptized. He gets filled. Why did Jesus have to get baptized? Was he a sinner? No, Jesus wasn't a sinner. He's the divine prototype of the new creation. He became as you that you might become as him. said, I need to be baptized by you, John. said, this needs to happen and to fulfill all that is right. This is part of me showing the way. The way comes through me. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he did it anyway because he's the prototype of the new creation. And we are of the what? The new creation. Any man is in Christ, he's a what? Any woman's in Christ, they're a new creation. And so Jesus did that. And then we see the prototype going into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So one of the things that has to happen, if you want power, if you want, you have to understand that the immersion brings power and the power brings immersion. You have to learn to be led by the Spirit. What will happen is you'll have access. So here, here we have, we have uh, so we just have this religious sect of Christianity. Then we have the non-experiential group of Christianity that kind of believes things but doesn't really experience anything. Then we have the experiential group, and then we have the group that passionately pursues fullness. Right? So where are we? We're on this spectrum. We are the group that passionately pursues fullness, right? We're not the, <laughs> we're not the religious sect. We're not the non-experiential. And then we have these other ones that are kind of experiencing things. We're the ones who pursue fullness. We want fullness. So what will happen? Yeah, it's awesome, man. That's just where we are. I'm so glad you're here because this is, what we, this is what we do. What happens, though, what we have to realize is that every Christian is given the Spirit. and You can experience Him. But what will happen is, is you'll find limitations to fullness, how do you know? Because I've pursued fullness for a very long time, and I constantly come up against things that prevent me from coming to fullness. The Holy Spirit is not preventing me from coming to fullness. I am preventing me from coming to fullness. My limitations that prevent me from fully activating in fullness. What happens a lot of times is Christians, a measure is enough for them. They experience power and what they perceive is to be a level of fullness, and they say, oh, this is all there is. Well, who told you that, right? In my father's house, there are many Aronos, there's many rooms, there's many rooms, there's many places to go. You can go further, you can go higher, only if you want to. So every Christian is given, we're all given fullness. You can, or excuse me, you're all given the Spirit. You're given to Him in fullness, but you, most of us experience Him only in measure. Only in measure, if at all. Let's just use that one, if at all. And what I know is I always knew there was places that were higher. I always, I could feel it. Even though I was experiencing things, I always knew there was something more. Anybody know, anybody like that? Anybody feel that way? You just feel like, man, there's, I just know there's just, it's just, I can't get there. And so I started dealing with things, being led into the wilderness. You have to be led by the Lord. And the Holy Spirit leads you to the wilderness. The word wilderness is the Hebrew word debarred. It means to speak. <laughs> you have to let him lead you to a place where he can speak to you about what about your ego about your vulnerability about the scratched lenses of your life in which you perceive god many believers perceive god through scratched lenses wounds pains and traumas that they've experienced and their view of god is filtered through those pains who told you that let him speak to you about the bad doctrine you believe. Let him speak to you about the cultural relevancy that you try to engage. 
doesn't matter. We're kingdom people. The kingdom's always relevant. Jesus is so forward, it's like he's in infinity. Culturally relevant, we're kingdom relevant. Our quest to become culturally relevant often leads us to become kingdom irrelevant. How do you know that? Jesus told me so. Don't pursue this, Kevin. Well, the church has got to be culturally relevant. No, to, to, to which culture was this question? To which culture does the church need to be relevant? To the world's culture, to its own culture, or to my culture? Right? What we're seeing in our churches now is this passionate pursuit to be relevant to a culture. We're, we're doing the, the Today Show, or we're doing the Grammys, or we're doing, you know, so we're trying to be like that. Right? Our demonstration in power is in our showmanship. The pastor rappels down off of a, off of a thing. Woo! Yeah, rock on. Aerobic worship teams. That's our sign and wonder. No, for real. This is where we're at. And that's not what, you know, and it's fine. There's a work there. God will use whatever you give him. Whatever you give him, he'll use. But, but you know, I mean, can we offer Jesus something a little more? Can we give him a better, something better? Can we ask him what he really wants? What do you really want, Lord? And how do you really want this done? Right? And can we do that? Can we pursue that? Can we go from that place instead of that? And we're trying to be culturally engaging. Let me explain something to you. If I'm a non-believer and I walk into a house, boom, that's alive with worship and freedom and love and joy, I'm like, where have I been? I may not understand where I'm at, but I'm going to understand I want that. Right? Where these people genuinely care about themselves, this isn't religious pretense, this isn't about Kool-Aid and cookies. This is about people living and loving and like, I had a woman here from, I can't remember, she's one of my favorite stories. I said, so what's your observations? I said, do you have any questions for me? And this lady goes, well, I don't have any questions. She goes, I have an observation. It's like, what? She goes, I've been in church my whole life. And she goes, you people seem to really believe the things that you say. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. So we have to deal with our limitations. We have to deal with overwhelming demands of life, ladies and gentlemen. The enemy overruns us. Life overruns us. The cares of this world chokes out the word. It got rooted. Two, two of those seeds rooted. Only one bore fruit. You can be rooted in Christ but have an inability to bring forth not just the fruit of the Spirit but the fruit of destiny that God wants in your life because life chokes us out. Sure does. Can I get a witness? Family, kids, jobs, careers, bills, distractions, boredom takes us away, Right? We have to be willing to deal with that. And so we have to let the Lord begin to speak to you and say, listen, do you really need to binge watch four Netflix series in an entire weekend? You know, you have to let God begin to speak to you. You have to begin to God to tell you, like, listen, you think you know everything, man. You know, I can't, you, Lord, why don't you use me? Lord, why don't you move me forward? Because you think you know it all. So long as you think you know it all, he's not useful to you. He won't even engage you. Jesus never overrides your ego. You, can, you know it all, have at it. Have at it, right? He's not engaging you and if you think you know it all. You have to let him talk to you on your ego. You have to let him tell you, you think you're a know-it-all. You think you got all the answers. And then what he'll do is he'll put you in the position where you don't have the answers and he'll see, do you still have the answers? And you'll go, well, I think I do, you know? He puts us in, we, we have to draw on him. We have to let him lead us to a place where he can actually speak into our lives. We can talk about things to us, and he can tell us things that are barriers to the relationship. That's where he wants to go. Jesus wants to go to the objects of the barriers within the relationship. He has no interest. He's not sitting there going, well, you know, I'd like you better, Kevin, if you were a better person. That's not his interest. 
His interest is in what is the barrier to me and him. His interest is in what is the barrier from him to me. That's his interest. He's all about that intimacy. And so he's going to confront everything. And he's going to, it, that's what's going to happen. He's all about, he's going to talk to you. You don't make any time for me. You make time for everything else. You know, that's what he's going to say. You have to create a margin to where you can talk. You want the Lord to talk to you, you've got to create a margin. You do. You have to create space. Where's that? I don't know. You have to create it. Get up earlier, go, go to bed later, in your car, whatever. You have to find a margin and consistently practice the presence and soak. Soak. Words of worship, words of adoration, listening to him, engaging in him, right? What do you want? He's been asking me again, what do I want? I'm at this stage again. This is a good place. And you know what I'm realizing? I don't know what I want again. <laughs> it's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, Lord, what you, want you to do something. And he's like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then when anything I come up with always seems too small. It doesn't seem adequate. So I'm in this wrestling moment of what he's trying to say to me. We have to practice immersion, Christian. I'll give you a quick story. We went to, um, so a few years ago, so I came out of charismatic churches. I came out of like spirit-filled, and then, you know, the charismatic movement became charismania, and everything got really wild and kooky and weird and strange, and, you know, and it became all about money. Like, look, money's important, but money's not everything, Right? It's important to the church. It's part of our process, but it's not the centrality. It's just like the rapture's important, right? The coming of Christ is important, but it's not the centrality of the church. Jesus and the Spirit of God are the centrality of the church. And so I kind of left it, you know, there was a big shift that happened in the mid-90s where everybody was getting really, it just, things just got weird. And so I ended up leaving. I was still going to churches. I became assistant pastor with other churches, all this other stuff. So the Lord's leading me back into the Spirit, and I just did not want to go there. I'm like, I can't go there. I cannot be that guy that is constantly egotistical and trying to call attention to himself. I just can't be that person. I just can't. <laughs> so the Lord began to very much, very kindly nurture me and say, Kevin, I, I have another way for you. But because of my religious training, I could not understand the Holy Spirit in any way outside of the way that I'd been trained to see him. Yeah. And so he began to expose me through a process to different environments. And one of these environments I didn't want to go to, my wife, everybody just, just hallelujah, Sherry, she's way more spiritual than me, you know. Bless that woman. She's like, I'm going to go. Like, I don't want to go. I want to go. So if your wife does that to you guys, you're in good company, right? So she wanted to go to this, this, this event, and I was super uh, judgmental against it. It was spiritual church, spiritual church. Long story, a bunch of stories off this. It was a huge impact for me. It really knocked me back and made me, it disoriented me and made me have to reconsider a lot of things. But anyway, when we were there, we were just driving around the city, right? And I pull up in this parking lot and we're, you know, the churches are here, but we were looking at this other church and they had this really cool building and they put all this steel on it and it was like real modern. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And out of the parking lot come these four guys out of nowhere. Four dudes, kind of like the Corey Brigade, you know, they're all just kind of, kind of just cruising up, Corey and Quinn, you know, just come cruising up, right? And, uh, and this guy walks up to me, and he grabs me by the hand, and he goes, you're a warrior. <laughs> he goes, you're a warrior. And he goes, you have calluses on your hands and scars on your heart, and the battle that you're fighting, you're still fighting, but the Lord is going to give you victory. That crazy? And when he's talking to me, I'm standing there and I'm like, Phew. I feel like this wind is blowing over me, like, Phew. 
but I'm really just standing there looking at him, you know? <laughs> and I was like, what? It was crazy. Like, it was crazy. And he, everything he said was right. And then he says, to, then his friend starts talking about this crazy business idea that the Lord gave him. And it was crazy. He starts unfolding it all. And I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, going, wow, man, I'm really impressed. Like this guy, you know, I hadn't encountered Christians like that probably in a long time, if at all. These guys were like on another level, right? They were. Even from my past experiences, they're nowhere near the level of this church, I must say. So I just want to let you know that because we've exceeded it. But anyway, at the time, I was blown away. And, and he comes to me. This other guy starts telling me, and I'm like, man. I go, man, I'm really impressed with you dudes. And, they're like, and one dude's like, yeah, they're like real bros. They're like, man, yeah, we're just coming off a 10-day soak, man. 10-day soak. I was like, 10-day soak? I'm like, you can do that? What is that? What's a 10-day soak? I want to do a soak. You know, I get thirsty even thinking about it. And they're like, yeah, we just immerse for like 10 days, man. We just worship the Lord. We just let him speak to us. The dude comes striding through a parking lot, grabs me by the hand, and just unloads on me. I'm like, what in the world? And then at the conference, I'm at this conference, same situation, same environment, and I'm at this conference, and I hand this lady uh, my phone because they need uh, power. They, they didn't have internet. I don't know why. They're in a cafeteria or something. And I'm just standing there, and I hear this woman going, you know, we don't have internet. We don't have internet. Oh, we have a bad internet connection. So I go, here, here's my phone. Just use the hotspot. Just gave her my phone. She's just like, what? I go, yeah, just here's a hotspot. Use it, whatever. Give it back to me. She's like, I'll find you. I'll find you. I go, I trust you. I trust you. Don't worry about it. So my wife's in there, too. Her name is Sweet Baby Baby. So if you want to call me on Cherry's phone, just <laughs> hit Sweet Baby Baby, and Sherry will answer the phone. So <laughs> exactly, right? So I give her this, and then at the end of the conference, she comes up to me, and she gives me back my phone, and she gives me this little picture uh, we, uh, we have it in the office. If you ever wonder why we have a tidal wave breaking in the office, this woman gives me this picture with a tidal wave breaking on it. And she said that, like, she's a photographer. This is crazy. So cool, man. And she says she takes these pictures, and she, she makes cards out of them, and she gives them to people for prophetic encounters. Yeah, right? And she, you know, she lets the Lord speak to her, and she takes the image, and she'll give it to that person, and she'll minister it to them. And she gave me the wave. She said, I never give this out. She said, I feel like I'm supposed to give you this. And she said, I never give it away. And it was a card with just this wave. And she said, I feel like destiny's going to break over you. You know, and she began to prophesy to me. And I left that place. And I'm like, what the frick, man? I don't know where I'm at, but whatever this is, this is what I want. Whatever I am, this is what I'm going to replicate. But I realized I didn't have the tools, nor did I have the religious. I had too much of a religious framework to carry that forward. I had to be dismantled. I had to be reframed. I had to be refabricated. It took a little bit of time, but thank you, Jesus. It took me there, right? And so this is what I'm talking about, creating a space. Do a 10-day worship, man. Let's do a 10-day soak. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I heard them talking about firehouses, too. They're like, yeah, we do a fire. Hey, man, we're going to do a furnace. Like, there was a bunch of kids at this conference. Like, we're going to do a furnace, man, a furnace. I'm like, what's a furnace? We're going over to the gym's house, and we're gonna just going to listen to worship, man, and we're just going to let the fire fall. We're going to do a furnace. I'm like, I want to go to a furnace. After I'm done soaking, I'm like, do I want to soak or do I want to burn? Do I want to burn? I want to burn and I want to soak. What do I, you know? <laughs> It's yours, Christian. Come on, man. What if we did a 10-day soak? 
and God showed you great and mighty things that you know not of? What if he illuminated to you? What a crazy thing. I don't even think you got to do 10 days, but 10 days sounds awesome. All right. I got to quick. I got to go quick. Second side is deal with, the, deal with the wildernesses in your life. Let the Lord lead you. He's going to lead you to a place of speaking. Deal with the wildernesses in your life. Confront the issues of your fallen nature that war against the spirit and the compelling forces behind them. Anybody have things that overwhelm them at time or drive them towards something that you don't want to go towards? I'll, I'll do more of this in a second service. You're like, what? No, do it now. No, I'm getting running out of time. Deal with your, you have to deal with the issues that, that war against the spirit and the compelling forces behind them. Full disclosure, I had an anger problem. What? You? No way. I went to a counselor. Sherry's been telling me for a while. This was years ago. We out-counseled the counselors. So again, we, we don't even go to counselors anymore because we can tell the counselor how to counsel us. Look, this is one thing. So I think what you got to do here, man, is you got to tell her this. And then, I, and then she's like, well, I think you need to, you know, we're counseling. The, the, the counselors look at us like, we don't know what to do with you two. Yeah. I have never met a person in two, a couple, this guy said to this, in 27 years of counseling, I have never met a couple like you. And Sharon and I walked out, we're high-fiving each other. We're special, yeah! <laughs> Pretty wild. Anyway, uh, we have to confront the issues in our fallen nature. I had an anger problem, boom, boom, boom. Go to this counselor, counselor's like, I'm like, I don't have an anger problem, I don't have an anger problem, you know? And uh, the guy listens to me, and he's like, you do this, you do this. I'm like, yeah, and he goes, you have an anger problem. I was like, what, I got an anger problem, right? And then he tells me, um, listen, I had a rage problem. He tells me in private, I had a rage problem. You have an anger problem, I had a rage problem. He tells, he's, this guy, this counselor's telling me, I was married, and I used to sleep with a gun beside my bed. <laughs> This is the counselor telling me this, right? I used to have thoughts of murdering my wife. This guy told, literally told me this. I won't tell you his name, but anyway. So I had to find out what the roots are behind my anger because anger is a secondary. You've got to figure out what's, what's behind it. Natural-mindedness, I don't have time to get in all this. Um, where am I going to go? You have to find out, like the biggest issue with Christians, your biggest issue are in areas that you don't see. The church teaches you to hide everything. Jesus wants to bring it to the light. This is the way the game is played, right? Your brokenness, the internal lies that you believe, generational rights that are over you, uh, these are things that restrict and prevent and neuter your destiny. They neuter your destiny. If I didn't deal with my anger, every time I stepped forward, the, Lord, the enemy was going to trigger my, my anger and sent me off in a direction, and he would disqualify me every time. If you don't deal with your fear... Every time you step into an arena and you step forward into the arena, the enemy is going to confront you because he knows he's got the trigger of fear over you and he's going to send you spiraling into fear. See it all the time. If you, if you don't confront, there's another issue that, that ends up happening with Christians a lot too, is they sell Jesus out. If you don't come to the place where Jesus is a non-negotiable to you, the, the enemy is going to find out what you're willing to deal on and he'll get you to sell Jesus out every single time. No, pastor, that's not true. Ladies, I watch you. You go to this guy and you sell Jesus right down the river. Right down the river. Oh, but, ah, uh, you know. Guys tend to do it for ambition. They do it, it's both ambition. It's like, I want a relationship, so I'm ambitious. Or guys do it for other reasons, but we sell Jesus out too. We make huge compromises. Jesus has to become the non-negotiable for you. It has to be. Fullness is discerned by the clarity. If you want fullness, and I'll, again, I'll try to do a better job with this next month, next uh, next service. Fullness is determined by the clarity, not the purity of the vessel. God will raise you higher, not because of purity necessarily, but because of clarity. Now, purity may be related to clarity, 
but it's not purity. It's not how much you don't smoke, drink, or chew, or hang out with those that do. That's, it's not about externals, it's about the internal. Most people's external problems are directly related to internal struggles, right? Most people's external issues are directly related to internal problems. And the church starts swatting at the branches. It's the roots of the problem. It's not the branches that are the problem. That's the issue, right? So that's, that's like kind of where I wanted to go, but I didn't get there. Kind of got there, but, you know, maybe not. If you want to go further, okay, say this. Let me see what I'm going to have to say. We're going to pray and we're going to close. <clears throat> say this. I have access to great and mighty things. These are practical for the everyday. Come on. I am called to live immersed. Right? If I want to go further, I might hold the chair, get a good grip. Right? If I want to go further, I have to confront all of the limitations within me and around you. That's right. Amen. God wants to take you further. He has so much for you. You can be casual Christians for the rest of your life. You'll be no different than 99% of all believers are casual Christians. Coming and going, coming and going. Affect destiny in no way. Or you can affect destiny. You can be transformed and you can actually be a literal world changer. Not talking about it, but like being it. Right? You can actually do it. Amen. All right, let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you so much for your glory. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for your truth. Holy Spirit, we honor you in all things. You are beautiful beyond compare. You are lovely, Lord. You are, you, are, you are everything. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been sent to us. We thank you, Jesus, for all you have done and for sending him to us. We pray for greater, greater clarity. We pray for greater understanding. We pray that you would dismantle us in every way, any and everything that deposes you, any and everything that comes against what you want in our lives, Lord. We give you permission. You can remodel a house, Lord. You can raise the whole thing to the ground and build it anew if you want to. Just don't leave us the same. This is our heart, Lord. This is the heart of this church, that we affect destiny, Lord. We change the world, that we impart your truths, Lord, and propagate your kingdom to every corner that you give us access to. We give you glory for it, Lord. We give you honor for it, and we bless you in every way. And let me bless you one more time. Just receive it. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. We have a prayer team available. We love you guys too out there. Boom. Prayer team. You need prayer.